Very grateful for our worship team, um, Justin and Nathaniel and all the instrumentalists and singers and worshipers. We're just so blessed by your continued service to us. And I want to thank the worship team for how they uh, worked so hard to put together our, our gatherings on Sunday. <clears throat> you know, my heart has been ripped a thousand different ways this past week. Um, with moments of great joy, but also great sorrow. I feel like I've been on an emotional roller coaster ride, honestly. On a very high note, as Patrick mentioned, uh, many of us participated in Boy at the Ball's Love Your City Conference, and it was held virtually this year, of course, and it was a huge success. We had teams and leaders from five nations and multiple cities around the world, and they gathered together to celebrate what God had done this past year. And there were so many wonderful testimonies and praises and worshiping to the Lord. And then they also wanted to be further equipped and trained, and, and we, we saw that happening. And we were also challenged that there is still much work to be done. I want to commend Jamie and Anna and the whole Boy with the Ball team, the global team, and most of whom are a part of our church community. <clears throat> you guys are such a blessing to us. <clears throat> you encourage us. You're an example to us. And we are so grateful that you're a part of our spiritual family. But as high as that was, we've also experienced some incredible lows this past week. Events that have ripped apart our social conscience. As we've watched the merciless killing of George Floyd, it was sickening this viral video that went around to watch this handcuffed man as he lay on the asphalt with a white man's knee on the back of his neck and he pled for his life, please, I can't breathe, he said. It was tragic to watch and it has stunned so many and propelled many others to do things that shouldn't be done. And all of this on the heels of the senseless murder of Ahmaud Arbery here in Georgia. I wanna say, something you already know. Our nation is broken. We are divided and there is so much to grieve over. And, and though this could sound trite to some people, I honestly believe that Jesus and Jesus alone can bring us the justice and peace that we so desperately need. He is our only hope Tomorrow, I'll be joining with many other pastors and leaders from across our city to pray at Liberty Plaza in front of the state capitol. We joined together two years ago for the historic One Race March at Stone Mountain. And I, I'm very grateful that I have been able to continue the relationship with so many of these leaders, continued to hear their stories, which is a very important part of the healing process and the going further process. And we've been able to strengthen our relationships and pray for healing and unity. And tomorrow, we'll be coming together to pray for Mr. Floyd's family and Ahmad's family and the others who have lost loved ones. And we will be praying for our neighbors in this city who are scared. And even those who are resorting to violence, we'll be praying for them too. And for the protection of our police officers who, by the way, I think in our city have acted with tremendous restraint. And we will be praying for those in authority, including Atlanta's own mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, who gave an impassioned plea for those who had turned to violence on Friday night to go home 
And I was moved as I listened to her and other civic leaders and other cultural leaders plead with people to not resort to violence, to let their protests be done with nonviolence. As spiritual leaders, we will gather tomorrow in this city as we continue for the struggle of justice, for justice, and for the fight for empathy. And we will, as the prophet Micah admonished us, we will do justice, we will love kindness, and we will walk humbly with our God. But, of course, those aren't the only low things that have happened this past week. There have been others. It's probably one of the worst weeks of our collective lives. Along with the brutality and the unrest, the death toll from COVID-19 in the U.S. has exceeded 100,000 people. 367,000 worldwide. And our, our economy continues to reel. With over 40 million Americans having filed for unemployment since this pandemic started, that is a 23.6% jobless rate. We need Jesus. We need the hope that only he can provide. And on this Sunday, Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit was poured out on the early disciples, we are desperate once again for his spirit to be poured out on us. I've been thinking of these words and I, I, they've just been ringing in my heart this whole week. The words of Jesus from John chapter 7 and verse 37. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, and notice the capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Did you catch what Jesus said? Let him who is thirsty come to me and drink. Jesus fully understands our greatest need. We're thirsty. Our souls are parched from the effects of sin. We've chugged down everything we can get our hands on, and we're still bone dry, dying of thirst. We've drunk everything around. In fact, we're drunk with pleasure and power and self-reliance, self-pity, putting others down so we can feel superior. You name it, humanity's tried it. And we're still dying of thirst. And the only thing, the only one who can satisfy this, this thirst, the only one is Jesus. He said, if anyone thirsts, do you hear the call going through the ages? He's still saying it today. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. It's not just coming to him to get a drink. It's actually coming to him and drinking him. That's who we need in our lives. And when we drink him, listen to what he promises. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. When we drink Jesus, we not only get our needs met, but the needs of others get met. It's not just our thirst that gets quenched. We become a spigot for others. Donna and I, this past week, 
uh, had the the pleasure of traveling to South Carolina and being with our dear friends Robert and Sue Grant. And I add my birthday greetings to him as well as Patrick did. Today is his birthday. But we were there with them for a few days this last week. And one of the mornings we were gathered together to involve around scripture reading, what Robert calls Lectio Divina, which others call it that too. But uh, if you're ever with him on those moments, he'll invite you into that moment, and it's a special time. And as we gathered around the word, reading and contemplating and pondering and thinking about what God was saying, I was struck with how water is a recurring theme in the Bible. It, it, we see it everywhere, really. And I guess that makes sense in that the Middle East is always in need of water, like when the children of Israel got angry with Moses because he had led them out to the wilderness and they were thirsty <laughs> and they, they were upset and they said, why have you led us out here to die? And so God had Moses strike a rock with his staff and water came gushing out enough for the whole congregation, hundreds of thousands of people and their livestock. That's a lot of water. And then we read in the 23rd Psalm where David credits God as the good shepherd. He credits him with leading him beside still waters and restoring his soul. And the Old Testament prophets also picked up on this water theme. Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, 1, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And Joel said, A fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord. And Zechariah said, on that day, living water shall flow out from Jerusalem. These Old Testament prophets, they got the water theme. But I, I think Ezekiel may have had the most profound water experience. Ezekiel 47.1, and this specifically was the chapter that we were reading with Robert and Sue. Ezekiel 47 verse 1. And then he brought me to the door of the temple. This is Ezekiel following who is what I believe is a Christ-like figure, Jesus himself potentially. He brought him to the temple and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east for the temple, the temple faced east. And the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. And then he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Now, this is interesting. There's no river in Jerusalem. This is something of divine providential happening. This is not a natural phenomenon. This is something God was doing. And verse 3 says, going eastward with the measuring line, in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits. Now that's about 1,500 feet or about 500 yards. That's five football fields. So it was quite a hike each time. And then he led me through the water and it was ankle deep. And again, he measured a thousand, another 1,500 feet, and led me through the water and it was knee deep. And again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through. For the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. My, my, I, I love that picture. 
This water not only quenches our thirst and produces life and restores our soul, it's a force we can't pass through or control. We have to just get in it and go with it. But the water analogy in Scripture doesn't always carry a positive tone. For example, David said in Psalm 69.1, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire. There, where there is no foothold, I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for the Lord. David's description here sounds very much like what our nation and the world is going through. It sounds like what we ourselves have at times experienced. Water up to our neck where we can barely capture air. No foothold. We're mired, stuck, sinking, floodwaters sweeping over us, weary from crying and and parched throat eyes dim with waiting on God. Yeah, David's experience describes humanity's plight. And then there's this in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 2, 2, 13, For my people have committed two evils. They, They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. God calls out Israel for two evils through his prophet Jeremiah. He says they've forsaken the true source of living water, the fountain of living waters, and then they've created for themselves broken pots that can't even hold water. Now, if that doesn't sound like what much of the world is facing today, I don't know what is. They've rejected the one who has living water, And they've made for themselves vessels, cisterns, broken, cracked pots that can't even hold what they need. All these these verses, as I was considering and pondering there with Robert and Sue, and as I've studied this week, it made me realize something. We either have a water problem or we have a water solution. We're either neck deep in troubled waters or we're engulfed in the flow of the Spirit, where it's no longer just enough to stick your toes in it, or wade into it up to your ankles, or your knees, or your waist. No, it's time to swim. We're either being swept away by floodwaters, or we're being carried away by the current of God, the river of God, the move of the Spirit. The way I see it, we're in our, over our heads either way. You go back to Jesus' declaration in John 7. He said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And there, verse 39, to give explanation, says, Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive the very Holy Spirit that on this day we celebrate his outpouring. All this water talk, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who was poured out on the day of Pentecost in spectacular, flood-like fashion. No restraint. And we're not talking ankle deep. 
We're talking such mighty rushing waters that there was nothing else to do but jump in and start swimming. It, it had engulfed them. It was being poured out onto them and into them. It was the source of living water. And out of their innermost beings, their, the inner part of their heart, began flowing rivers of living water. I, I want that kind of living water. I want to taste it. I want to see that the Lord is good. And I want it to produce in me, not just a reservoir, but a channel where the rivers of God can come bursting out of me, flowing out of me. And it was so amazing that where this group of disciples, 120 of them, were meeting in an upper room, they couldn't contain it. The move of the Spirit was never meant to be limited to where we meet. It was, it was never meant to be contained by the walls of a building. As Dr. Dow said, and Jamie often reminds us, the Holy Spirit has busted out of the church. And if we're going to stay in the Spirit, we're going to have to go with the flow and join Him in the streets. That's what the early disciples did. They didn't safely wade into the move of the Spirit. They were swept away by it. Out where the people were, praising God with, with great joy and in new languages. And, and those who saw it were amazed. There were 3,000 that because of what they witnessed and hearing Peter's message came to faith that day. But they witnessed an event that was magnificent. They even saw tongues of fire resting on their heads, a visible manifestation. I mean, they'd heard about the burning bush seen by Moses, but now this was happening to them in their midst, and the living water had now become a burning flame that could not be extinguished. Listen, what our country is facing today, what the church is facing today, what the whole world is facing today. All this brokenness and strife where, where floodwaters are raging and we can't get a foothold in the mire of injustice and hatred and sickness and anarchy and death. We need to come to Jesus and drink. Are you thirsty? Do you thirst? Hear his words. Anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. And we need to stop creating for ourselves broken vessels, cisterns, incapable of holding the water we so desperately need. When we rely upon ourselves, rather upon the one who is the fountain of living waters, it's a really poor substitute. We need to come to him, the source of living water. And we need to push out from our ankle-deep Christianity. We need to get deep into the waters of loving God and loving our neighbors and loving our city and moving in the Spirit, staying in step with Him and being led by Him. We need to drink in the Holy Spirit so much that out of our innermost being comes rivers of living water where it's not only our thirst that gets quenched, but where we become a spigot for others.
I'm going to ask my wife to come and, and join me as per our tradition here with our live stream. And uh, we're going to pray for you and ask the Lord's blessing upon you on this day and these coming days. You have something you want to share? <clears throat> One of the translations for John 4, 14 is talking about that river of water coming out of us. And it says, the water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. Hmm. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. I loved what you said about the fact that when we let the Holy Spirit come in and refresh us, we then can become a source of refreshing for others. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's what we want. We want to be gushing fountains of endless life. Yeah the abundant life that he came to provide. And when we take the Holy Spirit, when we receive it from him and let it do his work in us, it gives us the authority and the capacity to be life for other people. Wow. And so if you're feeling like you don't have the life or you don't have enough life to go around, my prayer for each of us today is that we let the Holy Spirit do his work. Yes. Would you join us as we pray? Father, thank you that you saw ahead to all that we would need, to all that you want to invite us into, and you knew we needed a helper. And you purposed from before the beginning of time to send us the Holy Spirit. Yes, you did. And in giving us the Holy Spirit, it was like you broke off a piece of yourself mm. and planted it in our hearts. Mm. You gave us eternity in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Yes. It's the connection that we have with you through all of time until we are truly one, as mm. Jesus prayed in John 17. That's right. And so, Father, we, we receive your gift, we receive your helper. It doesn't matter whether we think we can be filled once or many times or whether we think there are gifts associated with that. None of that matters. Hmm. What matters is that you have sent help that we need. Yes. And we can receive it. Yes. And when we receive it, we can be a part of helping other people who have needs. Hmm. Not because we've gotten it all together. Not because we're perfected but because we are submitted hmm. and we are submerged in that wellspring of life. Yes. God, make us gushing fountains of endless life, yes. not for ourselves, but for the world that you care about, yes. the world that you gave your son hmm. to save. Hmm. Lord, forgive us for only going ankle deep. Hmm for sticking our toe in the things of God and then reserving the right to remove it. You didn't call us to look back. You called us to go deeper. And each time as we move into the things of God, I pray that we would relinquish more of our control, yes, more of our determination to keep it all together and let us entrust ourselves to you. 
We pray, Lord, send your Holy Spirit again. Send it upon your people in this nation and around the world. Let the move of God be evident and let it be central once again. Yes, Lord. We've heard of your fame. We ask that they would be renewed in our day, Lord. In this day, we ask that the Spirit of God would fall upon all men and women and young people. That people will see Jesus Christ, the one lifted up, and come to him and ask for the living water that will change their lives. We pray for our city and for the cities of our nation. We pray, Lord, that justice will reign, yes. that mercy will be loved, and that we will return to walking humbly before you. Mm. And I pray, Father, for our church community. Help us, O oh God, yes. to be your light in the midst of so much darkness. And to be the spigot for other people, where, we, where we're turned uh, towards loving them and what has been changing in our lives would then change where they are. Thank you for this time and this moment. We bless our people and we bless those that we're touching and loving. Be glorified in our midst today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you very, very much, and we will see you next week. We'll see you in small groups this week, and next Sunday night, for those of you that can come, we'll see you on the grounds of the church for the Lord's table. Bless you.